He walked down in the afternoon. His first sight of the place took his breath. It was big. As big, he decided, as the palace of a master. Its stone front, hung in parts with some bright creeper, was crenellated in the Middle Land style. Cody strings flew to either side, but not from the roof. There were custom-built towers, as impressive as the house, and topping it by a story. On their fronts and sides, leaf-shaped embrasures repeated the motif of the vestibule. They were edged with bright red mosaic. The tops of the towers were similarly decorated. He realized with a species of faint shock that each was a multiple phallic emblem. He shrugged. After all, it was sound var theology. Perhaps this was an extra-religious household. Somehow, though, he doubted it. The master kerosene was a slim, balding man, brown-skinned and bland-faced. He, too, wore a pair of gold-rimmed pince-nez. He was poring over a ledger when Raoul was shown in. He didn't trouble to rise. He presented his credentials, but it seemed the name of Canwin carried less weight here. The master shrugged. His voice was flat with a hint of sibilance, and as expressionless as his face. "'These seem to be in order,' he said. But you must see the mistress, Kerasina. She has to do with the housefolk. He said, Thank you, master. He inclined his head, but the other had again immersed himself in his work. The lady, Kerasina, was lounging in a chair of silvery holand fibre. Behind her, long glass doors gave a view of landscaped grounds. A glass was at her side, and a bowl of some confection. He stared. Her hair was dark shot with bronze highlights. It tumbled to her shoulders and below. Her cheekbones were high and perfectly modelled, her eyes huge and of no definable colour, her nose delicately tip-tilted. She wore a simple white dress. The neckline plunged deeply at the front. She wore ankle-high sandals, again of some silvery material. He saw they were uppers only. The soles of her feet were bare." She inclined her head graciously. "'Good afternoon, Mr. Josen,' she said. "'Sit down and tell me about yourself.' He took a chair hesitantly. She crossed her knees. Her skirt was split to the top of her thigh. Her legs were long and exquisite. He blinked. He'd seen some daring fashions in Middlemarch odd times, but nothing to compare with that. He rested his eyes carefully on the middle distance— he was aware she smiled. He began to talk, haltingly at first, about his training, early career, but she interrupted him. "'Who,' she said in her well-modulated, slightly husky voice, "'was your captain in the salient?' "'Golden Soul, mistress,' he said. "'He gave me an excellent testimonial.' "'Dear old Golden Soul,' she said, "'always the do-gooder.' She selected a sweet, bit into it deliberately, displayed even pearly teeth. And what brought you to Barida? He swallowed. He said, I was sent by the master Canwin. Ah, she said. I begin to understand. I was wondering how you breached our good bishop's defences. Tell me, is the master still as mad as ever? He frowned. He said, he's one of the most respected flyers in the realm. She looked amused. She said, no doubt. He risked another glance at her. She wore no jewellery of any kind, but round her neck was a slender leather collar, the sort of thing you might put on a dog. 
It seemed oddly out of sorts with the rest of her ensemble. He wondered what its purpose could be. He hesitated, held out the papers he carried. He said, if the mistress would care to see... She waved a hand. She said, I'm sure they're perfectly adequate. She selected another of the little comforts. You must see the tailor, she said. I like my housefolk to be liveried. Can you drive a motor vehicle? I'm sorry, mistress, he said. I'm afraid I can't. She shrugged. She said, It's of no importance. She picked a book up, began to turn the pages. The interview seemed to be over. He rose. He said, Thank you, mistress. Thank you very much.